Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Fossen and Ron Kolick. Uh, so broadcasting live right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Crackle Radio, The Ghost Box, and Eddie. So there you go. Uh, anyways, I am Ron Kolick, and with me from Wales, I guess, I don't know why there's no H in Wales, by the way, uh, is Steve Fossen's. Country. Oh, you're breaking up. Apparently. Oh, so the reason there's no H in Wales is because they don't swim. It's a country. Yeah. Well, why is it said yeah. it's spelt the same, right? I mean, it's, it's oh, not spelt. I know, but it's the English language. We have lots of words that sound the same, but they're spelt and mean completely different. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So lots of weird stuff happens over here. Just before... Around Halloween... Yeah, just before we came on the air, we I had the little theme from the X Files on, and and was the X Files ever popular in the uh, the UK? It was absolutely massive. I was a huge fan of the X Files, and cannot wait for the uh, new series to start. That's right. That's coming up. So uh, that's that's really exciting in itself. Uh, Lots of good things coming up. The new Star Wars coming out, and new X Files. So I don't know. We going back? No, I've, ne- I've never ever. Yeah, I've never ever seen a single episode of Star Wars. Well, that's your loss, not mine. I know, and even my son. I mean, his, his middle name is Anakin, and um, yeah, I've never seen Star Wars. How bizarre! Actually, <laughs> Star Wars, or at least the first three, they're the sort of iconic films that. Actually, although I've never sat down and watched them, I feel that I know them intimately because I must have watched so many clips that I probably have actually seen the films. But I know the stories intimately. I know all the characters. You can't. You'd have to live your life in a bubble, not to uh, not to know uh, all about Star Wars. Yeah, I mean that's it's you know it definitely had its thing. A Star Trek as well. Uh, Star Trek had its. Oh yeah, another huge it- thing I grew up with. Oh, what, was that popular over there as well? Oh, it was. I mean, I, it, as a child during the first series, I, I was allowed to stay up late one night a week to watch uh, the original series and then became a huge fan of Jean-Luc Picard and Riker uh. and all the others in The Next Generation. I always thought The Next Generation was better. Or, you know, I missed the triples. Uh, you know, I, uh. I was triple. Well, you didn't want a triple. No, I just thought the... I was uh, never a great fan of the, star, star. the uh, star Trek films. Um, the first batch, you know, they they, they just you know, all prancing around in those ridiculous uniforms and costumes. It was always a bit over the top. Yeah, exactly, Lisa. Triples and really, really. I always, growing up, I always wanted a, a, a pet triple. Just re- I actually have one. So thank, thank, thanks to our guest that's going to be on the show, uh, Stephen Scott. I actually have a triple now. So, uh, a triple or this? Uh, same thing. Okay. Take your word. Yeah, pretty pretty much look the same. Didn't we have what what were they called later? Um, Furbies. They were about as close as it came to having a real dream, a real triple. I, I agree. I agree totally. And uh, no, but anyways, I, 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 I 
Yeah, fair beast we've seen. I mean, we had those other right. things too, those stupid creatures that were uh, terror. What the hell are they things called? I don't know. We, we talk, I don't know how we get into sci-fi, but uh, we're definitely in that way. Oh, I can't remember them. They, they used to be terrors. They took over the town one time. Uh, oh, gremlins. Gremlins, that's the one. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, every, every child growing up wanted a mogwai. So let me ask you this. Let's get away a yeah. little bit away away from yeah. the, the science fiction right now. And and X Files, I really enjoyed because it looked at kind of like, well, I mean, until the very end when it went uh, totally UFO. But it looked at a lot of areas of the the paranormal, it's like the first series that I ever saw, which was uh, the Night Stalker with uh, Gav- Devin McCow, uh whatever his name was. But you, you know, I, I think as a as a Parapsychologist, do you find that that's that if you could be someone, would you be more like the X Files, where you investigate all different types of paranormal things, or would you be just like you are now, invest, investigating primarily ghosts? Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, in my early days, uh, early involvement growing up uh, with the paranormal, my interests were very much broader. Uh, I was a member of a ufology group. Oh, okay. And I was fascinated by by all of the paranormal, the Loch Ness monster, and the whole the whole thing. But mm-hmm. as I grew up, grew up. I realized that you cannot be, um, I mean, there's a saying, isn't there? Jack of all trades, master of none. And I realized that my primary interest was ghosts and hauntings and that, you know, I had to focus. I still, you know, I still read about, I still watch programs related to ufology and to the Loch Ness Monster and and that's why, and other sort of paranormal phenomena. But Mm -hmm. I don't, I I, I lack the interest, the expertise um, and the time to, to do it just so, um, you know, people ask me for comments on those subjects. It's way out of my area of expertise right. these days. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't be fair of me. I'd just be making a noise if I said anything at all. Um, I, you know, I've become a, uh, a bit of a one-track pony, I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty much that way now. People people will ask me to comment on UFOs, and I, I usually tell them, you know, I've got enough to deal with with ghosts and, and, and that aspect of the paranormal. Uh, you know, I still find it interesting. You know, I watch uh, some of those ancient alien shows, which are, uh, sorry, a little bit ridiculous at times. But, uh, you know, because they're only they're so slanted to all evidence absolutely points to a- ancient aliens. And uh, it's not the way. And, and unfortunately, some of that same uh, stuff happened. has joined the conversation. Oh, good, good. And joining us now and is uh, someone who uh, brought me my tribble. Uh, he is a Scottish medium, spiritualist medium, uh, Stephen Scott. Steve, you're there. Hi. Hi, Ron. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Ron. <laughs> there you go. We've got two Steves. Apparently you brought, uh, well, apparently you brought him a trip. Oh, I still think it was a haggis, but... Um... <laughs> oh, I see, I see, yes. Um, I think it's whatever we Did wanted it to be. A small, hairy, wee beastie. That's yeah. half of Scotland, yeah. Steve, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so anyways, uh, you know, I mean, as far as all aspects of, of the paranormal, I, I certainly wouldn't mind being like... Uh, the X-Files, where I would get the opportunity to investigate uh, 
strange cases. And, and uh, Stephen Scott, since you just joined us, we were talking about uh, the X-Files, among other things. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, Steve and I are so much into the ghost now, but I was saying I still – you know, hanker for that. I mean, my degree is environmental science, which is really that shotgun effect of all sciences. And um, it, so, you know, I I would, uh, you know, I I'd think I'd still like to be those guys and, and have the opportunity to investigate uh, all aspects of that. So what about you, Steve? I mean, as a medium, I mean, how would would you be able to investigate, for instance, cryptoids or, or, or UFOs? Uh, how would you? I mean, I as, as a medium, it's not something that I would go out of my way to do. Uh, as a person interested in that type of thing, uh, I was always addicted to you know, the mysterious world of Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke. I collected all the unexplained magazines. I had all these types of things when I was growing up as well. And uh, I was a huge fan of X-Files. So things like uh, cryptoids, mysterious places, I find it really intriguing and interesting and I enjoy going to them just to see what the background feel is like. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I'm, I loved the take that uh, John Keel wrote about in his book, The Mothman Prophecies, when he talks mm -hmm. about these types of things. Uh, and that these are energies that have been around since the beginning of time, and it's how we interpret them, uh, essentially. Uh, spoiler alert, folks, if you haven't read the book. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, that's a very condensed take on what that's all about. But uh, I, I just loved that when I went through that book and it made me think about it eh, when I was growing up. Uh, that, you know, to, to, to use that term that a lot of people often come out with is that it, it's, it's all just varying forms of energy. It's how we mm -hmm. interpret that energy that makes it real or unreal to us on an experiential basis. Okay. So speaking of energy, there was a lot of energy go happening around Halloween in the UK with the airing of uh, Most Haunted Live. And I believe, Steve, you actually watched it. Steve uh, Scott, uh, Parsons? I did. I, I mean, in curiosity. Um, well, I managed. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I watched it. Hey, there you go. I admit. That's all. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Steve Scott, did you get well, to see any of it? I watched some of it, and okay. I have to say that I, I personally put it off. Uh, it's, it's not. I, I, I found it interesting and entertaining to a, from an entertainment as in a television perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I have different, n not different. I have certain views of how the program runs, and uh, that's just how I feel about it. But uh, mm -hmm. it's reasonable entertainment. Uh, but unfortunately, no, I switched it off about two-thirds, maybe half the way through. I sleep, but no, I'll not say. I was going to say I fell asleep in my armchair, but that would be a blatant truth. Um, mm. Yeah, since you, got, you guys... The thing is, it was a very interesting and entertaining show, but what's become much more interesting and entertaining is what's happened after the show. Uh, well, before we get into to that, Steve... I mean, you got to remember, we have you have a, a U.S. audience here who was, didn't have the opportunity to, to see it. So, can you just give us a, a little bit of synopsis, synopsis of of how the uh, the uh, new show varies, for instance, from the old one, and and then we okay. go from there. Okay. Well, um, if any of you have ever seen an episode of Most Haunted Live, there's a difference between the live shows and the, the pre-recorded shows, which is it's pretty much as it says on the tin. One is uh, broadcast live, although there is a, a delay. Um, 
in the broadcast, a slight, uh, I think it's about a 10 minute delay in the broadcast um, for presumably legal reasons. Um, that said, however, uh, there is no effective difference apart from the number of people involved because on a series production uh, show, you would have just the basic crew, the crew that you're all aware of from, from the episode, which that would be Carl Yvette, Stuart, um, and the usual gang um, who are involved. Now, on a live show, because it's live, you, you require the services of additional uh, technical and camera support, so you would have a large outside broadcast crew, and that would add perhaps up to 15 or 20 people at the location, uh, inside the location, during uh, any particular sequence of filming. And also, of course, you've got to allow for ad breaks. You know, to, uh, most songs is a bit like coast to coast AM in that you know it, it, it's divided up into 30 second sound bites divide, uh, interspersed by four minutes adverts but that said um, there was an incident that took place that was sorted very very quickly and became a Twitter storm uh, where uh, the producer of the show Carl Beatty uh, who's been you know, well before you get into that can you tell us where the location was so that at least we Kind of understand a little bit what's going on. What was it? You know, you, you really didn't. Well, I mean, well, in in terms of the incident, it, it's it's not really. Well, relevant, I mean, if we're going to discuss the location, the show. well, yeah. yeah, I was I was going to answer your question fully, um, but in terms of the location, it was a three bedroom semi detached uh, terrace, uh, semi terrace property in West Yorkshire. That was in the 1960s and uh, 1970s linked to a notorious Pontifract case known as the Black Monk of Pontifract. Now, this this case was similar to and a forerunner of, and in some ways more gruesome than the Enfield uh, case, which is perhaps the more famous or the most famous Pontifract manifestation case that's been investigated. Uh, the house has become uh, a B&B and has been investigated for the last uh, year or so by countless paranormal groups uh, because it has become uh, available to them to rent out on a commercial basis. Uh, um, so that's where they went to on Saturday night. Uh, but what actually happened, it could have happened anywhere and probably is, you know. Uh, but, but Carl appeared at the top of a flight of stairs. Now, uh, in the past, the... There was a previous report of uh, one of the children who were involved in the, the original Pottergeist manifestation way, way, way back 30-plus years ago, uh, being dragged up the stairs by the by the Pottergeist. And at, at a point in the footage, uh, Carl was seen to appear at the top of the stairs and to crouch forward, and then suddenly jerk backwards out of shot, yelling and screaming and, and claiming that he'd been pulled or pulled up the stairs by the poltergeist. Now, in reality, he'd gone up one step um, to to the upper landing, but it was quite clearly spotted by a good many people and posted very, very quickly onto YouTube and Twitter uh, using the show's hashtag that Carl had had some, uh, what appeared to be a rope attached to his waist. And, um, you know, the footage can be freely, you know, anybody can just go onto YouTube and, and, and look at it. And he, he does indeed, if you look at the footage, he, he does indeed appear to have a rope attached to his waist. Uh, he, he, he comes onto the top of the stairs, he crouches, he takes one step down, he crouches forward, and a few seconds later he's jerked backwards and out of shot around the corner. Um, 
Immediately, as you can imagine, there were cries of foul, that he was roped and that somebody had given him a good hard pull. And that certainly does appear to be the case. Now, today, uh, in amongst this huge storm that's erupted in the UK, particularly on the social media, um, there, have been, uh, there has been a YouTube video from Carl um, posted today stating that Carl was actually, at the time, wearing a, ca- a camera cable and that, uh, in, in standard practice, uh, the camera cable was looped through the belt on the back of his uh, jeans, and that that's what people had saw uh, on the on footage. And it was uh, for the uh, the video was posted to answer the question for the genuine fans and not for the lunatic fringe. Uh, mm-hmm. So presumably, people like me who were questioning the the, the footage because uh, going through the rest of the footage from that particular uh, episode, I can't find. Carl attached to a camera cable at all. Now, it might be that I've just been unlucky, or it might just be that, you know, I mean, because something like, if, if it is as, is as common practice as Carl was making out in, the, in, the, in his YouTube video, then, you know, I'd be the first to apologise publicly for, for my questioning of his integrity during this one particular epi- incident, um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, surely nobody would have questioned the the appearance of a cable attached to Carl's waist if he'd been wearing the damn thing most of the, the show. And, you know, it, it can't, I haven't found it anywhere else. So it does beg a question. Now, what's happened today, most recently this evening, is that some of the show's former cast, including mediums Chris Conway and Derek Acora, um, and others, have put their name forward to a challenge to Carl and Yvette to say, you know, allow us onto the show to scrutinize what you're doing um, and that seems to have, have gained a little bit of momentum on, on the social media with several hundred people throwing their weight behind Chris Conway's campaign uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out So I'm going to have to ask uh, Stephen Scott did you see that particular incident? Yes, yes I did that was just literally before I switched over to be honest uh-huh. uh, and uh, yes, I saw it. Um, I'm, I have to say, I immediately switched into sceptic mode. Uh, and I've often said before, I'm my own biggest sceptic. I'll, I'll scrutinise myself to death before I scrutinise anyone else, to be honest. But um, I, always, I always find that anything that you see on a television show needs to be taken with a pinch of salt because... Mm-hmm you're seeing something that could quite easily, and I'm not saying it is, but something that can quite easily be fabricated. And I know that TV's, TV shows are out there to sell programmes to the general public. To entertainment. Get access, it's entertainment. People go crazy on Twitter, on Facebook. It gets shared. Ratings get promoted. This makes its way back to, you know, uh, producers and television stations who then back things and I know there's a whole load of stuff goes on in the background here depending on how well these do and I think unfortunately as well though we live in a world nowadays where people uh, I mean I've, I've done ghost hunts I've sat in a room for five hours freezing cold with hmm. the most interesting thing being my shoelaces uh, the scariest thing was you know I had slip-ons um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, and then something may happen but I always find that with certain TV shows and I think they're all guilty of it a lot of them go in for a more sensationalised version which is not what you know, a good scientific style study requires it requires something a little bit more controlled and a little bit less uh, appealing to what people 
may want to see. Sadly, when you're producing something like that, and I, I don't mean to demean anything here when I'm saying this, but you, you are appealing to uh, a certain type of person who wants to see results. People don't want to wait for results. A programme of five hours of sitting with nothing happening wouldn't get ratings. A programme mm -hmm. where something does happen will get ratings. So I can also imagine there's pressure there for things to happen. But, um, yes, long story short, too late. Uh, yeah. Yes, I did watch it um, at that time. So let me let me put this out there to to both of you and and, and do you think it's possible that you know most haunted to uh, boost uh, its ratings and, and to uh, certainly to create this controversy by having that and allowing that to happen and then perhaps even be in cahoots with uh, Conway R. Akara and you know in a, in a ploy to get them on the show for a uh, you know you know a, a special show where the mediums come back to expose whatever I mean that seems like that would fit right into the the whole theme of, of their entertainment value. Well, that would um, the the main problem with that is um, the antics organization um, is. Is controlled by Cole uh, very, very tightly, and that would never ever take place. Um, they, the the Soviet style of of antics is such that uh, no medium would ever return to the show or be permitted to return to the show. And moreover, uh, any serious criticism um, of the show is is usually met with uh, well, you, uh, it's not met positively anyway. Um, it's not going to happen. The challenge is a good challenge, but it's a flawed challenge in so much as one of the people... I mean, we know that Derek's own involvement in the show ended under a cloud of questions and uh, and, and problems. And, do you know, I was, I was talking about, you know, to Chris Conway earlier tonight, and one of the problems you've got is that quite a lot of people who were involved in the show came away from from their experience or their time on the show with questions about what they'd experienced. And, and you could say, well, well why didn't you, you, you voice these questions earlier? Well, the simple explanation is, of course, it's nothing down to contracts or, or, or confidentiality agreements. It's one down to the fact that anything we shot on camera um, while we were walking around that was questionable and needed to be further examined was, of course, the property of antics and not our property. So there was never any footage in, uh, to, to, to question. Um, I mean, there are some, there are plenty of bits of footage that have made it through uh, the edit to YouTube um, where people have apparently caught members of the crew. And I'm not just talking about Carl and Stewart or others. You know, fingers of accusation have been pointed um, quite, con quite interestingly and convincingly at uh, Richard Felix, at Dr. Kieran O'Keefe, and many other people involved in the show. Um, where they seemingly have gone for performance over integrity, you know. So, it's it's a strange world that, that that you know television because there is a huge pressure on people, particularly when they're on the show for a great deal of time, in order to a desire to satisfy the audiences, perhaps. But there is absolutely no question that that uh, to answer your your original point. Uh, or to re-emphasise my answer is antics would not support in any way that you know a return of Derek or, or Chris or anybody else, or even a perceived challenge to what Carl said. 
Okay. You know, it's it's interesting, and, and I kind of uh, agree with you on that, and that when Chris Connolly left the, left the show, and I believe uh, Richard Felix was my co-host at that time, uh, we were going to get him on the show, and he was going to uh, expose some things, and uh, Tojinet, along with myself, uh, was contacted by the legal department for Most Haunted, uh, threatening lawsuits if we allowed Chris to be on the show, or if he talked about uh, his experiences on Most Haunted. Yeah, it's exactly the case. I mean, fortunately, I mean, I, I was on the show, as you know. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've never been threatened with anything. And do you know what? I don't think it would stop me anyway, because it comes down to then to burden of proof. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it, because I would not say anything unless I, I, I could back it with 100% proof. Um, but there are things where there are parts, there are areas in which you don't go because personal friendships would would impinge you in in wanting to expose. Um, you know, for the sake of what? You know, you show somebody acted up in front of camera. Well, you know, is a friendship with that person more important than than you know sinking them? Uh, but ultimately, did they do any harm, or were were their aims um, in, you know, in doing what they did to try and portray something else? I mean, you know, from from my own ghost hunts that I use tricks like um, the maglite experiment and placing objects um, that can be detected by EMF meters. But I always insist on doing the reveal; otherwise, it's not worth doing um, right. because you cannot leave people hanging. Now, you know. There are times when, yes, I resort to trickery during a public investigation in order to demonstrate a point, because without the, without the thing happening, you, you can't teach the lesson or provide the information that you want to provide. So you have to uh, facilitate the, the, the fake, if you like. So, mm -hmm. yes, uh, you know, I've used those methods, and I, I continue to use those methods, but with the absolute insistence, and everybody that's ever been on an investigation that's, that I've been involved with will, 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 I'm sure, attest to the fact that uh, there is always a reveal. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, uh, I know we've got about a minute left to the break, and uh, what was the name of the place that they were investigating once again? They were investigating 30 East Drive, Pontefract, in West Yorkshire, England. All right, I'll never be able to say that. So, anyways, uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask Stephen Scott, since he watched the show, if he got any impressions about the actual uh, place itself, whether we, if there was anything to the investigation to start with. So I'm going to let Steve think about that a little bit. And... Uh, and when we come back, we'll, we'll definitely uh, talk to him. So, I mean, that's something uh, that I, I find interesting, almost like re remote viewing, or is there such a thing as re remote sensing? Uh, so I uh, would like to ask Stephen that when we come back. So we've got about 15 seconds left. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, – Stephen Parsons, uh, Ron Kolick in the U.S., Steve Parsons in Wales, and all the way from Scotland, our special guest, uh, Stephen Scott, spiritualist uh, medium. So we'll be right back after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged. Restrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Miller Eggs family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Kolop, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell. You are here at the elegant Benford Hall, the Downton Abbey of Menace. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. Tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles and Next Generation. On Toginet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your TuneIn app or catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. Time for tea. The only drink that America thinks Britain drinks, but we don't because we all drink coffee. But anyway, welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International, the controversial show that discusses anything and everything from the X-Files to... Toilet paper. Stuff. Yeah, toilet paper. Now, that was in the ad break. And speaking of toilet paper, I am minded of our guest tonight. Uh, We had many interesting experiences with the role of... Everybody's got his own toilet paper brand, Stephen Scott. Hi, Steve. Hi, Ryan. You do have your own toilet roll brand, don't you? you I do. It. Well, you found it when we were over at Spirit Quest last year and I walked into the toilet and there was my name on top of the system. <laughs> there you go. We had, we had some great nights, you and me and Barry. We did. Uh, we did indeed. 
<laughs> you know, you know. Of course, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show is very big here in the U.S. And there's one scene in the uh, the uh, show, of course, where they say "Great Scott," and and when you go to one of the live performances, they actually throw rolls of toilet paper at the mm-hmm. uh, screen. So it's it's uh, yeah. So you're yeah, you're an icon. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a compliment so, coming from Rob. Yeah. So, anyways, um, as I mentioned before the the break, uh, I wanted to ask you that you, you watched Most Hearts at least for a while, and, and yes. can you get psychic impressions or mediastic uh, impressions from watching a show like that in a haunted location? It's it, it, it's an interesting question. Um, technically, if if you wanted to tune into that, I would say yes. More. I suppose would would be the psychic expression of things rather than the mediumistic mm-hmm. connection. Uh, the mediumistic connection, you'd be wanting to tap into spirit, which is not what was going on in the house on that evening, because they were looking for a poltergeist. Right, which, and uh, ropes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> and that's two totally separate things from my mm-hmm. own experiences. Um, when watching it, um, it was I wasn't particularly I wasn't trying to tune into it. I was watching more out of you know curiosity and again for entertainment value. Mm-hmm. It was on. Let's see what happens. And uh, but yes, it's it's relatively straightforward. The where the difficulty would be though would be that uh, any film crew, when working live, does get themselves worked up to do with scheduling, timing and all that. So a lot of what you pick up, it'd be difficult to determine if what you're picking up is just everyone's general sense of hurry or uh, need to get things done. You know, there's going to be that energetic feeling within the air, that urgency of moving from one thing to the next, as well as everyone trying to do their own thing on camera and get timings right, be in the right place at the right time. Uh, I suspect that it would be very distracting actually to work in that type of environment and try to tune in in any way, shape or form. Uh, it's not something I've ever tried, it, to be honest, I don't think it's anything I've ever really wanted to do, tonight, to be honest. Uh, but at the same time, it's I'm not saying it can't be done, I'm just saying that I, I, it would be an interesting experience to witness just how that type of energy can be picked up on, because a lot of what you could be getting is just people generating their own, you know, energies. Like walking into a supermarket. Oh, basically, yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. So that brings up the next subject of the show is, uh, of course, on this side of the pond, we had our own little version of uh, Most Haunted Live, which was Exorcism Live with uh, Chip Coffee and uh, some other dudes. And uh, they performed an exorcism at the house where the original exorcism uh, was supposed to take place. So... Uh, before I get into you, Steve uh, Parsons, I'm going to ask Steve Scott, since we still have him there, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that as far as, number one, entertainment, or, or should it even be uh, something like that uh, shown on TV? Well, uh, you know, from my own perspective is that if anyone were of a mental or psychological or spiritual state where they needed to be helped, I personally do not feel that is adequate to be shown on television, uh, simply because you're looking at someone who, for whatever reason in their life, has a belief system in their head that has linked them to something, 
and I'm not saying it's something paranormal or demonic or anything like that. I'm just saying that they have a situation in their lives that needs professional help, whether that's a doctor, a psychologist, or an exorcist. It's irrelevant. Um, to be put out there and put on TV, I don't think that is the best thing to do, to be honest. That's not helping them. That's getting in viewers, as far as that. And that is my... That's, I honestly feel quite strongly about that when it comes to those types of things. Steve, what about you? Uh, I think it was crass, insensitive, badly thought out, um, and was one thing that you really ought not, they really ought not to have gone anywhere near. I mean, the case is, uh, they've, re they've dragged something up from over 50, 60 years ago, and purely to sensationalise uh, the Catholic Church uh, act of, uh, of exorcism is a very serious right, and in fact the Catholic Church came out even before this show and said that uh, the bishop uh, and the diocese involved had not authorised anything and that this was uh, completely sham. Um, you know, we had the ridiculous devil's toy box brought out again. And quite quickly, I mean, even over here in the UK, it was hitting, it was hitting Twitter. Uh, you know, some of the great comments on Twitter, like, I cannot believe that the cast of Duck Dynasty got to do this. Um, you know... It was it was ridiculous, and you know, fra fortunately, um, a huge number of the American audience spotted it, and they uh, they got on it straight away. Okay, so uh, I mean, so you're saying it shouldn't have been done either, right? No, definitely should not have been done. So, what's the difference between that and doing, for instance, a séance live on TV? Oh, well, with the sense you're not you're not tampering with you know, an exorcism is a, is a, is an intense experience for anybody who's ever witnessed one, or or even more so for those who are involved or undergoing the process of exorcism. It's a very serious process that involves many months or weeks of planning beforehand, and many specialists, are, uh, their opinions are considered. You know, the Catholic Church would never um, condone an exorcism or authorize an exorcism until uh, a whole raft of experts from uh, the medical profession, from psychologists, psychiatrists, and a, had been involved. Um, and to, uh, to, to simply do this for television entertainment um, is frankly crass. It's insensitive and it, it was brutal. I'm very quiet now. Have I been exercised? No, Ron has. He's gone. Oh, good. Oh, well, we'll just chat him <laughs> off. Well, there you go. That's got rid of him. Anyway, so, um, yeah, uh, that, that's my opinion, Steve. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, you practice within the spiritualist church, which itself is a religion. Yes, yes. Is, I mean, uh, yeah, you, I agree with you, Steve. You it's... can't tamper with people's beliefs like this. No, you can't. It's uh, it's not the proper thing to do, and it's as you said. Is whenever the Catholic Church goes to do something like that, it's it's a massive event. It's not just well. Well, there's we've we've got a letter in. Let's just go down the street and exercise this man. Uh, it's it's a very personal thing. I've worked with healing circles to help people get over difficulties, like you mm -hmm. know, to, to help come to terms with their own problems, like depressions and things like this. And th these circles have gone on for months just trying to encourage people to get in touch with what's inside them and, and, and just try to, you know, rationalise things. Because as a spiritualist, you get people coming up to you with all sorts of 
beliefs and notions put into their mind. A lot of it through things like this type of show, where the, you know they're showing essential on television. This is someone I, I didn't see it. I didn't even know it was on. Uh, but if they're indicating that someone was possessed by an entity or a demon, I mean that's not something that that can hurt people. People can start to take this on board themselves and uh, believe that this is waiting around the corner, and I don't think that's responsible at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 right. Oh, Yalla, you're back. Yeah, there must be paranormal. I've been talking about exorcism, but I noticed that Nate, uh, that uh, the guy, uh, when somebody said that Taps, it would have been worse if Taps was involved, and then Nate said Taps would never. But if you look at the first two seasons of uh, uh, Ghost Hunters, they did have demonologists on their team. Yes, uh, Colin, uh, Keith Johnson. Yeah, I mean, because we, we, we also forget, I mean, we've overlooked Ropegate, as it's now been called here in the UK, has, has completely uh, sort of glossed over the fact that Most Haunted, uh, during its live over Halloween, also has now a resident demonologist in the guise of Fred Bat, who spent the entire night wandering around this, this uh, detached house, uh, chanting in pseudo-Latin, um, trying to get Lucifer and Baphomet uh, to bring forth the poor ghost um, for the black monk, uh, somebody whose name is apparently Carl Anthony. I think they were probably right with the first half of the name at least. Um, so we had that sort of ridiculous uh, demon nonsense over here. Now it's like you know, are are headless ghosts and grey ladies just so passe now? Well, it's it's just, you know, the people, you know, want more. Uh, unfortunately, they want more scares. They want to be scared more. I mean, we, uh, you know, we're now capturing ghosts uh, with that. We have that gentleman who invented that poltergeist uh, machine. Uh, then we have the wraith hunters who come up with devices like the devil's box uh, that traps ghosts. And, then, and they absolutely try to de- destroy them as well. So... Uh, I don't know. We're definitely moving in a, a new direction. Uh, I mean, that's definitely, I don't know if it's the right direction, of course, but it's certainly a strange direction. Uh, Stephen, I mean, what, what are your, Stephen Scott, what, I mean, what are your thoughts about this, like, trapping spirits and, and, and destroying them? And is- yeah, it's, it's I'll, I'll pin my banners to the wall here. You cannot trap a spirit. I'm sorry. Unless you're Egon Spengler, then you can trap a spirit. Um <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> I'm sending but, uh, that ghost trap back. <laughs> no, it's... I mean, it's like when people say spirits become trapped. Why? You know, it's, it's a form of... It's an energetic form. It's a spiritual essence. We're not talking about a light bulb here. We're not talking about electricity going to a light bulb and heating up a filament. Uh, we're talking about the actual essence of a, a, a spirit being the essential drive that creates you to be the person you are now, it cannot be caught, it cannot be trapped, it cannot be stopped. And uh, it has no harm there. It's just one of those... And this is all from my experience. Again, I always bring things back to what I have experienced in my time as a medium now uh, and at other events and things. And um, when it comes to that, it, it just doesn't sit with me in my experiences. You cannot trap a spirit. Uh, but what I think, going back to what you were mentioning there as well, Ron, is that what's happening now with this type of field 
is it's changing completely, and it's it's indicative of how we behave as human beings. We started out with ghosts. We don't understand anything about them. We need to do more research into this because most people don't even know what it is. But they've already moved on to demons before they've even spent time, uh, you know, getting involved in the field that they were originally interested in. It's the short attention span phenomena that you often find, and unfortunately, there are people out there who are pandering to that, and I don't think that's the way forward. We all know that television has got to sell advertising and that the programmes are primarily for entertainment. You know, we're not stupid. We're not the lunatic fringes Carl wanted to call everybody who questioned him before. Um, But at the same time, you've got to balance um, the entertainment with a responsibility. You've got to be responsible in some way to your audience. You can't just stick a disclaimer at the start that this programme may contain some intense footage viewers are warned at, you know, to watch it at their discretion or this programme is for entertainment purposes only, because people are um, people are human beings and they will there are an awful lot of people who believed what they saw both um, on the exorcism live and indeed most haunted live, was a real investigation, was a real portrayal of what takes place in haunted locations and that's a worrying aspect to it, you know you have to be responsible. I can't actually, talking about uh, adverts and selling advertising, I can't decide whether my f- favourite uh, tweet relating to Exorcism Live was the, I cannot believe, the one I met said before about Duck Dynasty cast, or the one I've just noticed now, um, which is, uh, commercial break in the middle of the Exorcism. Great job, guys. The devil clearly needed a new Subaru and Kit Kat. <laughs> <laughs> I love Twitter. There are some great, you know, don't watch the show, just watch Twitter. Because some people, you know, there are some fantastic tweets. Some people have got very, very fast reactions. And that's what it is. It's an instantaneous society we live in now. So, I mean, that's probably what's driving all this, uh, you know, getting more and more dangerous, more and more... Uh, you know, demons and, and, you know, it used to be like uh, with Derek Acroy, oh, he's a bad one, but, uh, you know, now they're all demons. Uh, they've moved up a step. I don't know where they're going to go next. Maybe they'll be all aliens. I don't know. Maybe that's they'll be the crossover. We had that. No, most haunted did aliens years and years and years ago. In a oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Where Derek uh, picked up on, uh, we, it was up in the north of England, Derek picked up on the the sense of he's not of this world, if he, he's not of this world. And uh, the cameraman panned down to a Henry the Hoover vacuum cleaner in the corner of the closet, um, which was one of those great television moments that, you know, you just couldn't write. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Derek did pick up a trapped alien entity in a closet. Uh, Stephen Scott, I mean... Speaking about that, I mean, I, I know there are many spiritualists. I don't know if this of the spiritualist church, but but people who do seances and and channel and 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 they channel uh, aliens uh, and uh, other beings. I, is that something you've ever run into? Uh, not in a spiritualist church, no. Uh, I have never encountered anyone who claims to be in contact with aliens. Uh, I've met a few who look like aliens, but never <laughs> anyone who. Who claims to be in contact with one within, and I say within a spiritualist church, within some of the more independent churches, uh, you tend to find that there are, you know, things can get a little bit looser, a little bit more adventurous, shall we say, with some things. Um, That's uh, with, with, that was fair. With how the, 
yeah, yeah, with, <laughs> yeah, with how they put it. And uh, but I've never encountered anyone to claim contact with aliens through a church. No. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I've actually uh, seen someone do that on on even on a Ouija board contact uh, uh, an alien, and uh, yeah, and uh, there's there's a famous one, of course, and I believe in. Um, Gettysburg, a gentleman does regular Ouija boards, and he constantly contact, connects with this um, alien by the name of Moo. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> this has to be the lowest tech alien race I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> That's an interesting point, uh, uh, well, I mean, we, we, maybe we go beyond gadgetry and yeah. we just, we have to do uh, Ouija boards back again, uh, you That's know. possible, yeah. Or we could attach string to the moon with a couple of cups on either end oh, and speak into it. Sorry, oh, I'm being glib now, my apologies. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But that, yeah, that's the M-U, not M-O-O, uh, you know. Ah, moo. So you can't yeah. say it without laughing. Uh, well, you cracked me oh up. God, was... <laughs> Anyways, uh, it, it's an interesting thing uh, because, I mean, these people seriously believe that they contact aliens. Uh, you know, this this guy is quite serious when he tells you that Moo is on the Ouija board and Moo is giving him all this wonderful information. Uh, so, I mean... <laughs> It's difficult, and we certainly can't uh, prove he isn't there, I guess. Uh, so, I mean, how does one deal with that? <laughs> can I just add something in, Ron? Is that if, oh, if right. I can take it back to what I talked about earlier, is that everything takes an energetic form uh-huh. that we work with. As a spiritualist, I've met people who have had experiences similar to that. But okay. they, they have outlook on life is more suited to assuming an alien contact. Some people are more suited to giving it a spiritual context. And this draws back into what I mentioned earlier about Kiel's book. Kiel says that, this ener- that these types of energies have been around us forever. It's how we interpret them that make the difference. And that's why I don't say anybody's, you know, that he's crazy, they believe in aliens or they believe in yetis or werewolves or whatever. You, you know, it doesn't matter what people believe in. It's, it's how they take that experience and make it into something positive for the people around about them and not do any harm to anyone around about them that I tend to judge them on, uh, as opposed to anything else. You know, so it's uh, just because what he's contacting is an alien entity, then that doesn't necessarily mean to say that it's not, but for him, that's that's the reality he works in, that's where his energy works best, within that that medium, if I can use that, or median, if I can use that term. Um, So it's, it's quite possible he is making a connection with that eternal source of inspiration that we can all access. But at the same time, this is how he's interpreting it. Oh, right. Which, well, could it be the other way around as well? That that it's it's spirit, and realize that he he would get a better connection if he proposed that he was a alien to this guy uh, versus just being a spirit. You know, it's possible. It's very possible. Well, there, I mean, there's the old saying that um, is well known within uh, parapsychology and psych. That you know, people who, who claim visions will always see the god that they want to see, yes. that they expect to see. 
So uh, it's no surprise that people who believe in aliens and UFOs, um, and we've talked about this with Cal Cooper also, people who receive phone calls purportedly from dead people are you know, balanced by the equal number of people who report phone calls purporting to come from alien cultures. You know, it, it, we're conditioned by our belief, as Steve says. Um, you know, if we want to, if we intrinsically believe that the planet is visited regularly by aliens and that they're living amongst us and interacting with us, interbreeding with us, then you're more likely to find that uh, they will report alien encounters rather than ghost encounters. And Uh people who want to tie themselves to a length of rope at the top of a set of stairs on a a Friday night are much more inclined to believe that their encounter was ghostly rather than ropely. Right. Well, how do we know the poltergeist didn't actually tie a rope to him and pull him? Mm Hmm. I think you know, we, we, we like to be reasonable, and I think, you know, but there are some times where plausibility stretches the bounds of even. You think? Maybe a little bit? Could have been Moo. Yeah. I think it could have been Moo, but I think, you know, any, any sane normal person might have noticed that there was a rope attached to them. Sorry, a camera cable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, I know we're almost out of the show, but I have a, a quick question for, for you, Stephen Scott. Is, is, of course, tonight I'm doing uh, the Red Light Seance here at VZ again, as, as I do my monthly seance. And we are going to be attempting physical mediumship in the first hour and then uh, evidentiary mediumship in the second. Um, I was given this book called Experience of a Transphysical Mediumship and Associated Phenomena by um, Katie Halliwell. Uh, it is evidence of survival after death. Uh, have you ever heard of her before, Stephen? Uh, I don't think so, but I, I've not yet reached that point where I've done a lot of reading into physical mediumship, to be honest, Ron. Uh, it rings a bell somewhere. But, uh, oh, how, about, how about, wait a minute, I'm reading this wrong. She's actually writing the book, but the, the experiences are that of uh, Stuart Alexander. Again, the name sounds familiar, but it's not my field of expertise. Okay. Uh, yeah, the Steward Alexander Circle. So, anyway. All right. I was just curious because that was given Sorry. to me. No, that's fine. Um, I know that she, this person who gave it to me went to Arthur Finley for uh, at least three times. And uh, so I, I just thought since it was on your side of the pond, uh, you might be aware. But then again, maybe you aren't. <laughs> So anyways, uh, we are coming up to the uh, one minute. And uh, anything you want to add before we say goodbye? Uh, Anyone? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there's a really good book coming out in a couple of weeks' time. It's called Ghostology. And I promise you, lots of useful information and no rope. No rope? No rope. I I think you should put a And no moose. I think you should put a little rope in the back, in the index. So I didn't. Well, actually, I, I I don't want to spoil the book for anybody, but chapter twenty one is my favorite. It has a little surprise. Uh huh. Interesting. Uh huh. Tw- chapter twenty one, something that's unique and has never been done in a paranormal study book before. Excellent. And that's the uh, doorbell meets pizza from the dead is here. Stephen Scott, you also have a book out as well. Uh, is where can people find it, and what is the name of it? Yes, they can find it online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Waterstones, or through my website, and it's called Working for Spirit. And its partner book is coming soon. Oh, really? Yes. 
Oh, excellent, because I have the first book uh, yeah. signed by uh, your little hand. I believe it is, unless it was auto-penned or um, perhaps automatic writing. I'm not sure, but... Uh, if, it's just, if it's just a big X, that's me. Ah, good. There you go. <laughs> so, Stephen, uh, it, uh, Scott, you have anything you want to add? Uh, we're, uh, just, be... Yeah, it, if people want to get in touch, they can do it through www.stephenwkscott.com and just, you know, whenever you view anything on television, just use your common sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much. And, of course, if anybody's interested in get a hold of me, <laughs> it <laughs> is neghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, like New England, ghostproject.com. And you can I see always want to know what the N stood for. Yes, yes, New England. And uh, we, you come to my website. We have lots of pictures of orbs and all kinds of cool stuff on it. Steve? What, what? I've got nothing to sell. I, my books, my books not out yet. So no, I mean, well, apart from my, paracoustics, of course. My, web, my website with orbs on it. I thought you would make a comment. No, I'm not biting. I'm not biting. Oh. Okay, fine. Yeah, orbs, orbs, orbs are so last decade. Now, come on, move on. We're onto ropes now, and uh, and oh, did your ED one or did you just call me Eddie arrive yet? No, not yet. Oh, looks like oh. I'll get it for Christmas. Hmm. Oh, well. So, anyway, Stephen Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Stephen Parsons, it's always a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to your new book. Uh, you know, Paracoustics was such an amazing yeah, it's, it's exactly work. the right size for your, for your other coffee table. Like. Yeah, and so uh, Ghostology, <laughs> I'm really excited about it. So, there you go. So, till next time, I guess it's uh, time to say uh, good night. God bless. Stephen, I'll see you in the spring when I'm up in Glasgow. Fantastic. Just call me, Steve. You can come and stay. Uh, I will. Uh, well, we've got a hotel sorted out. But right, what, what, early what, April. What, Shut what up, Rob. What do they normal call you? Uh, just call, call me Steve. Like, I'll see you in What's he supposed to call? See you in early April, Steve. Who? Fantastic. Look forward to it, Steve. Call him Moo. 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 That could have gone very badly if I finished. Yeah, if you hadn't interrupted me. Hopefully right. we're not. Um, hopefully we're not on the air. Yeah, we've been long. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. Information.